Welcome to the 171st episode of the Young Turps podcast from the Viner 48 studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we're talking Terps and the pros. We have your update on how all of our Maryland football players in the NFL fared this week. And then a full preview of the Maryland-Penn State game coming up. Uh, it's a big one for the Terps and for the Ditney Lions. Uh, but before we get into that, of course, Jordan, you have some updates on the Terrapin Rundown. All right. Well, to start things off this weekend, the Terps will host Ohio State next weekend on that coveted 3.30 Eastern time slot on BTN, possibly the worst slot in the Big Ten TV schedule. bit surprising, no, Mason? Yeah. Um, Ohio State back-to-back BTN weeks for the biggest draw in college football. Uh, the Buckeyes this Saturday, 7 o'clock against Rutgers on BTN. Next week, um, they take on the Terps. I-, I guess they have a mandated amount of Big Ten Network slots, just trying to get those viewers in. A lot of times it would be like FAU against Ohio State. This year, um, it's the Terps and Rutgers. And that kind of makes sense if you look at it from that angle. Of course, the last time the Terps played the Buckeyes in College Park, it was the all-time classic, which featured Anthony McFarland's 298 yards. This time, I'm not expecting that from Jake Funk, but maybe we'll get another epic performance that we can talk about for years to come. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking that these Big Ten teams are bound to slip up at some point, and I think that that week one game for Penn State kind of proved it, it, it can come when you least expect it. Uh, next up on our rundown, some non-revenues, a rarity at this time of year. Men's Lex announced that Maverick will be its official equipment sponsor going forward after this season. This is not their uniform sponsor, though, as Mason can explain for us here. Yeah, Under Armour cuts um, a lot of its a lot of its supply. Really, they don't make footballs anymore. The Terps are using Wilson footballs. Uh, they're not making soccer balls. They're not making lacrosse equipment. Um, Under Armour obviously cutting back, getting back to basics, trying to rebound. Um, on the, on the business side of things. And and this is really surprising to the lacrosse community. Under Armour was a top-tier uh, glove and arm pad supplier. The sticks and, and the heads, um, or the shafts and the heads, n- not great, but certainly not bad. Um, definitely better than, like, a Nike, uh, I would think, top to bottom. But really, really sad for the lacrosse community to see, you know, what's one of the only big Maryland – uh, companies pull out of out of what is a big Maryland sport. Maverick will take over Maverick and Cascade. If you don't know uh, what those two are, Mavericks are really really solid, you know, top to bottom uh, lacrosse equipment manufacturer. And uh, Cascade makes probably the best helmet in lacrosse, and, and they make some other inside padding for for stuff like football helmets. And and yeah, I mean th- that's about as solid as you can get. It's it's a really solid move for Maryland. All right, well, hopefully it works out for them. I can't imagine it won't. Um, on to basketball. The Lady Terps will open the season in the Gulf Coast Showcase down in Florida. They will play the Davidson Wildcats on Friday, November 27th, the day after Thanksgiving. And after that, we'll take on the Missouri State Bears over from my neck of the woods and Arkansas on Sunday. They're a pretty solid slate, I guess. You get one Power 5 opponent. And Angel Reese, one of the most hyped-up freshmen in recent women's basketball history for the Terps, picked as Big Ten Freshman of the Year by ESPN. Women's basketball, Mason, is expected to make some waves this season, possibly compete for a title. If they're going to do it, it's got to start at the beginning. Yeah, it will. And hopefully they get a chance to play a full season. Uh, I'm thinking they're just going to push through with sports. That that seems to be the 
um, motto kind of led by the NFL and the NBA down. Uh, we're just going to push through it. If players have to sit out, if teams have to sit out, uh, they will. I'm interested to see what happens when more teams get involved that are a little bit lower budget. What happens? I think the conferences are doing a nice job of backing everybody and, and, and figuring out how to get things done and really fund fund these teams and sports so so they have them, you know, in the in the years to come. Well said there. On the men's side, the Terps announced or not announced, sorry, John Rothstein broke the story. They will host a three-team MTE multi-team event for those who don't know to open the season with Navy and Mount St. Mary's after Thanksgiving. Um, and this is just two bye games, basically. They're just doing it as MTE because MTEs have exceptions for scheduling. It's complicated. Don't worry about it, folks. Just know the Terps will start off the season with Navy and Mount St. Mary's. And this actually is a little bit closer to the idea that a lot of people have floated to have more local teams if Maryland's going to host an MTE. Um, but nothing too remarkable here. Yeah, you're right. Nothing too remarkable, but games that Terp fans want to see. You know, Navy and Mount St. Mary's are are teams that they're not bad, they're not good. I mean, it's just games that people want to see, and I think that's really important. Um, from now and then going forward, you know, hosting a, an event like this, if you pull in, you know, American, George Washington, uh, George Mason, you know, there's a teams enough around here to, and in a stadium and a venue, you know, multi-facility venue like Maryland has, that you can host something uh, of the likes of, of what they're doing this year. I think it's the start of a solid foundation, but if you look around the country, I mean, there's just a lack of localized games everywhere and i think this this unique situation really unfortunate situation has a chance to bring back a lot of things uh that people want to see like a maryland navy game a maryland mount st mary's game you know th those games that you know you don't really realize that they mean something you know playing teams that are, that are local to you and i think this this has that opportunity to bring some of these games back and one more news item before we move on to Terps and the Pros this week, and that is a very a tough one to swallow for, I think, all of us. Marcus Bradley, the 152nd, last time I checked, best player in the country and Quince Orchard prospect. Huge get when he committed on the defensive line, has decommitted from the Terps. He did not give a reason, um, and of course you respect his decision, but it is still a absolute soul crusher for the Terps. Yeah, he told IMS inside Maryland Sports and Jeff Ehrman it had something to do with the Terps' defensive scheme and him not seeing himself really fit into that. It's a big loss. And, you know, a guy that really said he wasn't going to decommit from the Terps uh, when he committed, he said there's no chance he's going to decommit, obviously flipping on that choice. I, I'm not a fan. I am somebody this age. I do get it. I'm not a fan of, of people backing on commitments like that. Like, you can commit to a school and decommit, but don't commit to a school – then go out, make a blatant statement that you're not going to do it, and then do it. You know, I, I don't personally like that. You can't pull out that it's far from home, you know, thing that, that works so well for these guys. But, you know, it is what it is. You got to keep moving, keep recruiting. You got a lot of guys coming in on the defensive line. And let's face it, highly touted coming into Maryland that have done nothing. And there are guys that are three stars that have ended up starting. I mean, it is really hard at this point to say – Getting local linemen, defense or offense from this area has proven successful for Maryland. That is true. And of course, you want to keep the talent at home. But the scheme, it makes sense, actually, the reasons he left for the reason that you stated. I didn't see that. But if that is what was said, and it puts in context some of the other stuff I saw on Twitter, which people blasting Hoke 
for having a scheme that wasn't friendly to players. And I just – because you do have a better understanding of defensive schemes than I do as a general statement, Mason. What do you think? Because I have seen some people – actually quite a few people after that announcement came out in context that blasted Hoke's scheme because he had a point. Yeah, I think he does have a point, really. And, look, I don't. this is one that I don't put on the coaches, but I, I do see – I do see why a player would decommit from this. You're looking at a guy that's not a nose tackle. He's not the size of Fina or or uh, Alamus TT. And he's not really – he doesn't have a position in this scheme. I mean, in a 4-3, he could be the secondary nose. In the, in the scheme, the Maryland plays where they're – he's not a strong side defensive end. He's not – really a guy that would fit the inside mold on Maryland. What he is is he's a defensive end or secondary defensive tackle in a true 4-3 scheme. He's a true defensive lineman. And the Terps really play. They play as a nose, a tackle, and and I've said this repeatedly, and I've judged it repeatedly, and two linebackers. You're not going to get guys like this when you're playing two linebackers because, you know, maybe he thinks he can swing it as a defensive tackle, but if that doesn't work out for him, he's completely out. He can't play that strong side defensive end. He's not – he doesn't see himself as that kind of body player, and I, I completely agree with it. Not the right move for him. Now, a guy like Robinson from QO, he's more that linebacker, strong side defensive end, hybrid player that can really get after the quarterback. That's the perfect player for this scheme. So you kind of get the split split decision there. And, you know, this is what I've been, you know, telling fans around that that I do talk to. This isn't over. If Maryland goes to the end game scheme that they had to use against Minnesota and figure out that's what you have to do to win games, I can see Marcus Bradley coming back to the Terps because there you go. There's that true defensive end position and the inside tackle position. If Maryland starts using that more, you can sell a defensive lineman like Marcus Bradley on it, if that's really what it's about. All right, and that we'll leave that there for now. Terps in the pros, Mason, you ready to go? Yeah, let's let's run through it. Um, some impact plays. I mean, I, Jordan, I don't know what who you have at the top of your list, but J.C. Jackson, definitely the guy that I think had the best performance from a Terp this week. Well, you know we're alphabetical, but I completely agree with you. J.C. Jackson, hands down, with Terps of the week already. Five tackles, tied a season high. Third straight game with an interception. Four on the season, tied for the most in the league. And this is going to be a statement that I might end up eating at some point, but J.C. Jackson may legitimately be an all-pro this year. Yeah, I think so. And he's, you know, he's on it as – probably on New England's worst uh, team. Well, definitely New England's worst team since since Tom Brady took over and, and Cam Newton not faring too well uh, now that we're really into the heat of the season. Yeah, and uh, the Patriots are a whole thing that I would love to talk about if we were an NFL podcast, but we are not. Let's go down the alphabetical list now that we've got the best player of the week out of the way. Jermaine Kerr Jr. has played only four defensive snaps, 14 special team snaps, no stats, disappointing but we're not going to hang on that because Byron Cowart finally had another or not finally sorry I was thinking of Quinn Jefferson um Byron Cowart had a really solid game set a career high in tackles and snaps played with 44 and 45 respectively just New England's uh I don't really call it talent erosion on defense has really provided him opportunity that he's jumped on so far this season yeah, in New England, I mean, they're just finding ways to lose which is very unlike them uh the fumble this week in Buffalo uh, I'm disappointed, you know. I, I really thought they were going to carry it on. I really enjoy watching them play. I think they do it right, and I think I think the scheme that they run 
is just great from a football perspective. I know a lot of uh, Ravens friends that listen to this podcast absolutely hate the Patriots, but you know, I, I watch them because I like the way they do things. I think that they found a way to fit in a lot of guys that that wouldn't have gotten into this league uh, if it weren't for if it weren't for their extensive scouting. Yeah, so that is certainly true. On the Steelers end, speaking of teams Ra- uh, Ravens fans don't like, Sean Davis saw his first defensive snaps of the season. Finally, uh, still didn't record a snap. He snaps on specials, but got back in the mix. And I think you're gonna have to take that for now, Mertz Point. Um, hey, out there in the most defensive—I mean, the most important play of the game. That is true. Um, so there's that going on the Steelers front. Trey Edmonds and Derwin Gray both DNPs. Stephon Diggs rebounded after a disappointing couple of weeks with 92 yards. It wasn't the uh, best performance for the Bills, but they pulled the win out. Stephon got his at least a somewhat back on track. Yeah, Josh Allen's getting still getting back. I mean, he's banged up at this point. Uh, he's starting to look better as time goes on. You know, that shoulder injury that he had a few weeks back has really affected the way that he's been playing. Um, Diggs seems to be his go-to guy when his arm is at full strength. And, and you know, you got to feed the players that they have. Beasley, Diggs, you know, they haven't been getting them the ball as much, in the, and they've seen the results from that. They've been losing a lot more games, but they kind of escape with one uh, against the Patriots, and, and they're still looking good And what's – Somewhat, I guess, turning out into competitive division with the Dolphins uh, chasing from behind. Uh, yeah, the Dolphins certainly um, making some noise. On the Buffalo front as well, Quentin Jefferson, as I alluded to earlier, has struggled this season and it didn't really stop this week. Lowest snap count of the season with only 19 snaps, 29% of them, of the defensive snaps, excuse me. Uh, lost a starting position, kind of seems like at this point. Uh, I, I know we talk positive about Terrence most of the time, but Quentin Jefferson as uh, disappointed for the Bills after getting a pretty nice contract. Yeah, I mean, he had a really good start to the season. He hasn't really been able to carry it out. Uh, This week, I'm not as concerned about defensive end and more of a defensive lineman defensive end like we just talked about. Uh, Not the guy that I would see getting a lot of snaps against Cam Newton, who likes to run the ball. Uh, We'll see kind of where he lands here, but Buffalo's a talented defense. Quinton Jefferson having a tough time, like you just said. Uh, we'll we'll see how it shapes out, but if they're going to make a run, they need guys like Quentin Jefferson that are really just solid football players to step back into the roles that they were playing uh, at the beginning of the season when they were winning a lot of games. Well said. Well said. Um, Ty Johnson, still in the AFC East. I didn't realize how many touchdowns in the AFC East until we're kind of going through this. Um, made a bit of a splash for the Jets as they got um, plastered by the Chiefs, as many people expected. Johnson got three carries for 15 yards and one catch for six yards and his returning kicks as well. Not not a groundbreaker by any means, but at least making impact and getting some stuff on film that he may be able to use to cling to a roster spot. Yeah, and then kind of going down the list, Anthony McFarlane back to Pittsburgh. One carry, one yard, and he slipped on that carry. He probably could have broken it for, I think, what would have been about a 30-yard run against uh, the Ravens. But he slips, and, and he was uh, visibly frustrated by that. Uh, really disappointing there for AMAC. Uh, I mean, I'll keep saying it. Change the pace back. He's got to get one of these runs and really break it. Uh, Samuel's the guy that's come on for Pittsburgh, kind of taking that third back role. Uh, moving on to Carolina, DJ Moore kind of continued his run. Didn't get a lot of touches, uh, two catches, 55 yards, played 89% of the offensive snaps. And then the newest Raven and the only Raven on this list, Jordan Yannick Ngakwe. 
Yes, Yannick back in the DMV finally did not start his first game with Baltimore, but played 64% of snaps, recorded, sorry, one tackle. I miswrote that. Um, I, I didn't watch this one, I'll be honest with you. I was on red zone, so I can't say if he made the impact you expect to or not. But he, of course, will get better with time as he adjusts to his new surroundings. Yeah, he did not make the impact that I really thought he would. Uh, and he really got the chance to. Judon. Uh, for the Ravens, got thrown out of the game for smacking the ref. That kind of brought Ngakwe in, Ngakwe. Um, and I, I really wasn't expecting him to do much in this game, uh, being that he just got traded this week and then had to go through the COVID protocol, then had to practice, and that, then the game. Um, they, they could have stood to have Ngakwe and their defensive line make a few more plays, but it didn't happen. They turned the ball over too many times. Ravens lose uh, to Pittsburgh and and. Now the Ravens probably looking at a wild card spot. And finally, Darnell Savage back in the lineup after sitting out a week due to injury. Played every snap in his return. That's what you need to see. I think he made a tackle or two, too, as though I didn't record that. Look, as long as he's healthy, that's improvement. He's really struggled this season with injuries, and that's infected his play. Hopefully he can stay on the right side of the injury list and just keep it going. And Mason, with that, a brief interlude as our new tradition holds. Some bi- around the Big Ten news. The one, the story of the league right now is, of course, Wisconsin got delayed again. Really disappointing because it's going to be near impossible to, for them to make the playoff now after missing two games after a really promising start. Yeah, definitely. Um, tough kind of go of things for Wisconsin with the obviously COVID nineteen effect on their team. It also sucks for Purdue and Nebraska. I mean, I know it's again, it's a sign of the times. It is what this year is. But the league rejecting Nebraska being able to play a game last week, I, I really disagreed with. I didn't like it. Uh, Purdue, I don't even think they tried based on the results from Nebraska. It's tough. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, other things around the league. Michigan State beats Michigan this week. Uh, Harbaugh, I mean, he's on the way out is what it really looks like. Yeah, that was a tough one for Michigan to take. They can't keep – I mean, people have been saying it for years. It's still true. They can't keep losing the rivalry games, and the fact they keep doing it is not good for uh, Jim Boy over there. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, Indiana beats Rutgers pretty soundly. No one's surprised by that one. Northwestern beats Iowa. That's uh, Northwestern starting to raise some eyebrows. Yeah, Iowa kind of blew it. Northwestern, um, no, Iowa really blew it. I mean, I, I watched the end of this game. Two balls off the tight end's hands for Iowa, both intercepted. I mean, you're not going to win games like that. Iowa really disappointing start, I think. I went 2 Northwestern, impressive, 2-0. Uh, people were high on Northwestern coming into the season. I think they're really showing that. They blew out a Maryland team that, as we all know, had a big, impressive win against Minnesota. I'm starting to really hone in on this Big Ten West. Without Wisconsin yeah. in the mix, with Iowa at 0-2, I mean, Northwestern, you really can't say it's a surprise when they win because they were the league or that side of the league champion two years back. Now, what you can look at is can a team like Illinois or Nebraska push the envelope here and really make something happen? Nebraska, if you're Nebraska, you got to take this as a golden opportunity. With Wisconsin kind of out of it, Iowa out of it, you're 0-1. You lost to Ohio State, a team that every team on the Big Ten West side that plays is probably going to lose to. You got a chance. I mean, Scott Frost really has a chance. Pat Fitzgerald has a chance to really now make a name for themselves and win this division for a second time. Who can take it? It's up for grabs. I mean, if Maryland was on that side of the division, Jordan, I would be saying Maryland has a chance because none of these teams 
are solid. You can't see Northwestern winning every game. You know, Illinois, Iowa's 0-2. Illinois is having a tough time. They're 0-2. And they have an issue with COVID. Um, it's up for grabs. I mean, it really is. It really is. That's the best way to put it. Uh, Iowa, I was going to mention, is a really disappointing at 0-2. Iowa and Michigan State's going to be a big game now as they both try to get back on track. But your game of the week against all odds is Indiana at number 13 versus Michigan at number 23. What a tail of two teams. Indiana really has a chance to put their foot in the ground here and make a name for themselves, like for real. This, If Indiana wins this game, they are for real. So, And Michigan needs to – Harbaugh needs to win this game. So, Mason, this is going to be one to watch, 7 o'clock Eastern on FS1. What do you think for the Big Ten game of the week? Yeah, I'm thinking that Michigan wins. Um, they play really uh, – again, last week, what were they hurt by? Well, they were hurt by penalties on the outside – and just not being able to move the the ball against a defense that was much improved. And let's go back. And I said this on the podcast on Sunday, I think. If you're Michigan State, you turn the ball over effectively nine times against Rutgers. You're not going to win. It's as simple as that. So what do you do? You go out, you limit the chance plays, you throw the ball at the edges. It was really a breakdown like I wish Maryland played a lot of these games. Look at what the defense doesn't do well and attack that. Because let's face it. If you're Michigan State, nothing went right for you the week before. So you attack the outsides. You got a lot of penalties. You got the game got a little chippy. You know, you got the hype up, and then you delivered on it. If you're Michigan, you look at it and you say, "Well, Minnesota's Swiss cheese that we were overhyped. You know, their defense is not good. Um, now we have a game on tape against the defense that is solid. We're going to play another defense that's solid. Let's go back. Let's look at it. Let's get our quarterback out on the edge where he can run the football, and, and let's see how we can adjust." I personally don't think Michigan is that good. I do think they won this game for their coach. Um, as much as people don't like him, Michigan likes Harbaugh. The players on that team really bought into him. And, and I'm kind of rooting that Michigan, you know, just sees enough that they can keep Coach Harbaugh. And, and Michigan kind of is, you know, at that 9-3, and 10-2 and two mark where they're a beatable team for teams like Indiana and Maryland. All right. And that will push us into this game that Maryland has – uh, two teams in, going opposite directions. Mason, set this scene for the biggest Maryland-Penn State game, possibly. I actually go as far as say the biggest Maryland-Penn State game of the rivalry, if you want to call it that so far. Set the scene for us. Yeah, I think you're making a bold statement there. Before we get into that, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals. You're a hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need to host your event outside. Tents, chairs, linens, china and other accessories to keep your event COVID safe. Uh, a Maryland company located in Delta, Maryland, right next to College Park. You can reach Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com to host your event outside in a tent and safely. Uh, kind of going back to what you said there, Jordan, last year was a huge deal for Maryland, uh, sellout game, and, and the Terps didn't, they no-showed. They were absolutely pathetic last year I, I don't think anybody can really dispute that um this is a big game for for a handful of different reasons if you're maryland uh the 43 to 3 loss in northwestern is still fresh in a lot of turf fans mind uh last week was a great bounce back a, a way to get everybody off of that first game but if you lose big again people are just gonna say last week was a fluke we have nothing uh you know you can almost revert back to the loxley needs to go kind of crowd uh, really taking the center stage. If you are Penn State coach Franklin, uh, you got to have this one. 
you know, you're 0-2, a loss to Indiana at the last second that a lot of people are really, really upset about. That's not a game that Penn State football loses. And then uh, a weak showing against Ohio State. You know, if it weren't for uh, the play with Fields taking a knee at the end of the first half, they wouldn't have scored there. Uh, they, they got it lucky with a few penalties that gave them points and big drives. They were not consistent. They were not that good. Um, they, they were able to keep it, you know, within 13, but, you know, Ohio State, it, it wasn't a game. So for both of these teams kind of coming from different spots, uh, but Coach Franklin for Penn State's really got to win this game. And, and if Maryland gives them the opportunity, they got to run up the score and show that they're still Penn State. Yes, that is absolutely true, and that kind of makes me fearful that this will be another blowout. But who knows? This season's been nuts already, and this has been no exception. I'll be honest, I haven't put as much effort previewing this and looking at it as I usually do, but who is looking at sports as much as they usually are right now? Um, Penn State's all about Sean Clifford. That's something you got to say after that. Sean Clifford, the quarterback, has been pretty good this season for them. Um Threw for 238 against Ohio State. Uh, sorry, against Indiana. I don't have the Ohio State numbers in front of me, but he also led the team in rushing against Indiana with 119 yards. I, I don't know about this. Penn State is not a great rushing team this season, it seems like, although it's hard to say with the sample size we have. And that's really where the Terps have been burned. But in this game, Penn State's definitely more of a throwing team than the team's Terps have faced so far this season. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can uh, get enough pass rushing pressure to really affect that game part one, and two, if the defensive backs can hold up on the back end, although the defensive backs, I feel, have been better than we thought they'd be this season. Yeah, I think they have been, and Jordan, I think you hit on a few key points, so this team starts and ends with Sean Clifford. He is their leading rusher coming into the game, and really a guy that's been forced to, I think, really outdo what he can do. You know, he he isn't Trace McSorley, he's close, he's not exactly Trace McSorley, and what do you do to play this game? Well, from the pass rushing perspective, you have the right setup. You know, Penn State's offensive line has not been great this year. You got to get contained pressure. And this is something that Maryland has been bad at this year. They have had bad gap control. They've gotten out of position quickly on running plays to the edges. And I'm, I, that's one of the spots I really look at. How can you bring it? You know, you saw what you did right at the end of the game against Minnesota. You saw the energy you played with. That's all great. How can you carry over what you did well at the end of the last game? I think the only way to do that is to flip Sam O out there to defensive end like they didn't play a real Big Ten defense. And then on third down, get guys like Frankie Burgess in the game, get Ace Ely in the game at the jack position like they kind of utilized there near the end, and let your speed and athleticism guys make speed and athleticism plays off the edge. You got to stop trying to force your hand and play guys in positions that they're not meant to be played in. You have the opportunities to run your system on third downs, on second and long. That's when you have to utilize that. But on first down, you have got to have a real defensive line out there, and you got to bring the fight to somebody else. You got to attack, attack, attack. That's what needs to be done. That's how the Terps win this game. On defense against the pass. You got to look at the talent this team has. They're not beating anybody sitting in zone. They have to, again, attack. And when that doesn't work, maybe you can sit zone. But this team is not going to line up against anybody on their schedule and be better position by position, defensive back against wide receiver, except maybe Rutgers. That's when you can try out all your zone tactics. But against a team like Penn State, you really got to get downhill. You got to bring the fight to them. You cannot let them have more time than the three to five seconds. 
Yeah, I think that's fairly accurate. I think you covered a lot of points there. And the uh, the big one for me, um, I'm just going to repeat what you said to some extent, is you have to try Clifford in the pocket. You have to make him throw the ball. You have to ha- hope your defensive backs can hold up. Because if he gets out and runs, we're going to lose. It's almost that simple. I don't have a ton of faith that they can do that, to be honest with you. Um, it's going to – a lot of it, again, is going to be on the offense. And can they produce enough scoring to keep them in the game? Tali Tungavaloa looked really good last week. There's no denying that. But they also looked really bad the first week. And that, I think, is the question going into the game is you have – a horrible performance against Northwestern that's still fresh in people's minds, as you mentioned. You had the Minnesota game, which was a bit of a euphoric moment for Maryland as they finally came back and looked like a team again. And if you're going to be realistic, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. The team is probably not as bad as it was against Northwestern, probably not as good as it was against Minnesota, at least on offense. And you have to hope that you can score. And Penn State has not been good on defense. They've let more than 30 points up. In the two games they've had, you can hope Maryland can do this again and keep scoring. Sorry, I, I'm really all over the place in the moment. Let me just take a minute. Well, I'm sorry. Trump is speaking, and I'm trying to watch what he's saying. Um, it's about – it's – Hold on. I'm seeing if he's going to claim victory in the swing states real quick. He did not. Okay. Um, he is claiming election interference and shit, but okay, I'm going to restart that again. Ready? Yep. Um, <clears throat> as, as you said, Mace, I'm going to reiterate a lot of your points here. You got to keep Sean Clifford in the pocket. You can't let him run all over you. If he gets out of the pocket and gets to run, I don't think we're going to be able to really stop them. But it kind of looks like you're going to have to go with the Big Ten 12 formula. You just have to outscore them. Tyler Lee and Tungabailo looked really good in that last game. There's no denying that. He also looked really bad in his first game. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I don't think the offense is as good as we saw last week. I don't think it's as bad as we saw in week one. But you have to hope it's good enough you can keep it, keep us in games and the defense can make some stops and we can you know, get some wins that way. The line for this one is Penn State by 25, which is a little bit high, I think. Um, but I'm not going to rule out either that it's inaccurate because we don't know how good either of these teams really are. And if you just go on instinct, it really feels like Penn State's going to blow Maryland out again. But I don't think it's going to be the case because I think I don't think Penn State's offense is, or sorry, their defense is good enough to keep Maryland pinned down for the entire game. They let up 35 plus points two games in a row. Granted, Ohio State's really good. But Indiana, we don't know how good they really are yet. They only scored 37 against Rutgers. So can Maryland score 35, 40 points in Penn State? It's possible. I'm not going to say it's yeah, likely. It but late 20s, early 30s, you can certainly see us getting into. And maybe, just maybe, you can keep Penn State down enough that you can steal a victory here. Yeah, and I don't think really think it's going to be stealing a victory. I think it's going to be forcing the game into a shootout and then executing there. Now, one point that you did talk about, keeping Sean Clifford in the pocket, there is no doubt that Maryland has the personnel at linebacker to do this. Now, you can do it one of, I think, three ways. And I'll go through them quickly. Here is you can stick Fanange Gote on him as a spy. You can put Ace Ely on him as a spy. And then kind of the outlier there is do they bring Jordan Mosley up and stick him up there? That's something that Jordan and I have discussed. We think he's fit better at linebacker. The Terps have kind of been forced 
uh, with Richardson not being all the way back to play him at safety. I'm saying you got to get in his face. You got to hit the quarterback. You cannot let this team burn you deep. You got to make them force them to make play after play after play. Don't give up the big play. If you give up points, make them drive for them. You did a good job against that against Minnesota, even though the Gophers kind of play off of that theory. I'm thinking, Jordan, we'll, we'll take a quick look at the offense. That Maryland can stay in this game for at least the first half. I think that's a fair assessment. I think, as, again, as Lee's mentioned, as long as you don't get blown into big plays, because you have to make them drive, as you said. You have to make them keep making plays. You can't, because Sean Clifford's turned, thrown three picks in the first two games. So maybe you get another one off on one of those drives. If As long as you can keep them from getting down the field, like we saw the last game against Penn State last year, they got those big plays early and Terps couldn't recover. If you can force them to just keep playing, Make them make 10 plays to score a touchdown because that's a lot harder than making one really good one. So yeah, that's I think it is. The game. And other one for me, at least, is running the ball, controlling the clock. I know we've done well doing fast. If that starts working, go with it. Don't get hung up on your game plan if you're John Hoke. There are ways to do this, but you need to play a near-perfect game if you're Maryland. You can't make any huge mistakes because you made uh, – Mason disagrees. I can see that on our call here. But – I'm going to stick with that because Maryland against Minnesota played two really good quarters. They played a really good first quarter, really good second, sorry, fourth quarter. The middle, they fell off. You can't do that again. You have to at least put, I'll say, three and a half to three and three quarters of good football out there. Yeah, and I'll agree with that. And that's not near perfect. You don't have to have an amazing QBR, I don't think, to win this game. You just have to do the simple things right. And I think that. You know, Friday night was great, but they didn't they didn't do that. They fumbled the ball on the one yard line. They had a screen pass tipped and intercepted. Those kinds of plays cannot happen. Now, how do you win this game? I think that's something we need to go over. I'm gonna stick with what I said last week. If you get the football, you gotta put it in the end zone. And then you gotta come out. And if you end up okay, let's go. If you end up and you start on defense, hit somebody hard on the kickoff. This game. If you look at the page, I believe it's a page and a half on the game notes of guys that have connections to each other in this football game. If you're Maryland, you have got to want it. You really got to want it. You're playing a lot of guys you know. You're playing a team that your fan base despises. Go out there, hit somebody, play with the same pride you did. They did things right early that got the hype going last week on special teams that made an impact play. And then on defense, they went three and out. I think those are keys, getting a lead early. And then, of course, on defense, delivering in the attacking mentality has got to be something you key in on because you can't let the game come to you against a team that, that has better talent than you. Yeah, I would agree with you in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know how much else we can say here, Mason. It's going to be hard to predict, I think, because we really don't know where we're going to see either team in this one. Maryland has got to stay on it. You can't. From this point on, we kind of experienced technical difficulties with this show uh, for the last like eight minutes or so here. So uh, stick with it if you guys want to hear the predictions, but we apologize again. I, I think I say it in this segment. Uh, we had to use a different system to record this episode. We'll be back to normal uh, on Saturday after the Penn State game. But yeah, the final eight minutes here, a little bit rough on the audio, uh, but we'll be back. Uh, keep listening. Uh, if you want to skip to the ends, I think the predictions are around the uh, 46 minute mark 
um, without this in it. So maybe like the 47 minute mark. But again, thanks for listening in. And I apologize for the audio quality here. It kind of looks like you're going to have to go with the Big Ten 12 formula. You just have to outscore them. Tyler Lee and Tagovailoa looked really good in that last game. There's no denying that. He also looked really bad in his first game. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I don't think the offense is as good as we saw last week. I don't think it's as bad as we saw in week one. But you have to hope it's good enough you can keep it, keep us in games and the defense can make stops and you can you know, get some wins that way. The line for this one is Penn State by 25, which is a little bit high, I think. Uh, but I'm not going to rule out either that it's inaccurate because we don't know how good either of these teams really are. And if you just go on instinct, it really feels like Penn State's going to blow Maryland out again. But I don't think it's going to be the case because I think I don't think Penn State's offense is, or sorry, their defense is good enough to keep Maryland pinned down for the entire game. They let up 35 plus points two games in a row. Guaranteed Ohio State's really good, but Indiana, we don't know how good they really are. Yeah, they only scored 37 against Rutgers. So, can Maryland score 35, 40 points in Penn State? It's possible. I'm not going to say it's likely. But late 20s, early 30s, you can certainly see us getting into, and maybe, just maybe, you can keep Penn State down enough that you can steal a victory here. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be stealing a victory. I think it's going to be forcing the game into a shootout in the next week. Now, one point that you did talk about, keeping Sean Clifford in the pocket. There is no doubt that Maryland has the personnel at linebacker to do this. Now, you can do it one of, I think, three ways. And I'll go through them quickly. Here is, you can stick Benanje Gote on him as a spy. You can put Ace Ely on him as a spy. And then kind of the outlier there is, do they bring Jordan Mosley up and stick him up there? That's something that Jordan and I have discussed. We think he's fit better at linebacker. The Terps have kind of been forced uh, with Richardson not being all the way back to playing at safety. I'm saying you got to get in his face. you got to hit the quarterback. you cannot let this team burn you deep. you got to make them, force them to make play after play after play. Don't give up the big play. If you give up points, make them drive for them. You did a good job against that against Minnesota, even though the Gophers kind of play off of that theory. I'm thinking, Jordan, we'll, we'll take a quick look at the offense, that Maryland can stay in this game for at least the first half. I think that's a fair assessment. I think, as again, as Lee's mentioned, as long as you don't get blown into big plays, because you have to make them drive, as you said. You have to make them keep making plays. You can't, because Sean Clifford's turned th- three picks in the first two games. So maybe you get another one off on one of those drives. If As long as you can keep them from getting down the field, like we saw the last game against Penn State last year, they got those big plays early and Terps can recover. If you can force them to just keep playing, Make them make 10 plays to score a touchdown. Because that's a lot harder than making one really good one. So yeah, that's I think it is. In the game. And other one, for me at least, is running the ball, controlling the clock. I know we've done well doing fast. If that starts working, go with it. Don't get hung up on your game plan if you're John Hoke. There are ways to do this, but you need to play a near-perfect game if you're Maryland. You can't make any huge mistakes. Because you made uh, – Mason disagrees, I can see that on our call here. But – I'm going to stick with that because Maryland against Minnesota played two really good quarters. They played a really good first quarter, really good second, sorry, fourth quarter. The middle they fell off. You can't do that again. You have to at least put, I'll say, three and a half to three and three quarters of good football out there. Yeah, and I'll agree with that. And that's not near perfect. You don't have to have an amazing QBR, I don't think, to win this game. You just have to do the simple things right. And I think that, you know, Friday night was great, but they didn't, they didn't, do that. They fumbled the ball in the one yard line. 
They have a screen pass tipped and intercepted. Those kinds of plays cannot happen. Now, how do you win this game? I think that's something we need to go over. I'm going to stick with what I said last week. If you get the football, you got to put it in the end zone. And then you got to come out. And if you end up, okay, let's go. If you end up and you start on defense, hit somebody hard on the kickoff. This game, if you look at the page, I believe it's a page and a half on the game notes of guys that have connections to each other in this football game. If you're Maryland, you have got to want it. You really got to want it. You're playing a lot of guys you know. You're playing a team that your fan base despises. Go out there, hit somebody, play with the same pride you did. They did things right early that got the hype going last week. On special teams, that made an impact play. And then on defense, they went three and out. I think those are keys, getting a lead early. And then, of course, on defense, delivering and the attacking mentality has got to be something you key in on because you can't let the game come to you against a team that, that has better talent than you. Yeah, I would agree with you in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know how much else we can say here, Mason. It's going to be hard to predict, I think, because we really don't know where we're going to see every other team in this one. Maryland has got to stay on it. You can't get phased. You have to come out strong again. And if you do that, who knows what happens. Anything is possible. Um, I think it's time for predictions, Mason. Okay, let's – I'm not going to go with a spread this week because I think you're going to hit the under pretty hard on that, or at least the Maryland side pretty hard on that. So what's your prediction? Yeah, if we're talking spread, I'm taking the turf. So it's plus 25. I think it's really simple. I think a lot of people are actually going to take Maryland uh, with the 25 based on what everyone saw on national TV last week. I picked this game twice now. Football Tuesday with Jack Rothenberg, a new show up on the Wayne Turp YouTube page and on turpdog.com. I picked it 38-28. to 28. As the day gets closer, I'm starting to like Maryland more and more. Um, I think that this Penn State team is going to play with urgency, and if they weren't, so if the pressure wasn't there so much from the Penn State side, I would pick Maryland, but it is there. I think James Franklin, you know, he hasn't delivered under pressure many times. This one, kind of a different feeling. Penn State just has too much for him. Uh, I'm taking the Nittany Lions again, and I'll stick with my prediction all the way through 38-28. to 28. I pray that I am wrong. All right. Um, I think it's a pretty solid prediction. And I think, yeah, we didn't really talk about it enough, but Penn State's really got the back against the wall here as they can't go 0-3 with the expectations they have on them. Um, I'm trying to think about this one. I'm going to say the Terps come out I'm going to say it's going to be similar to Minnesota in that the Terps come out strong. They fall behind a little bit in the second and third quarters, and they try to come back in the fourth. I don't think it's going to be enough this time. Penn State's a much better team than Minnesota was and is. So I will go with a 45-31 to 30, I'm going to say 45 to 31 Penn State. I don't think we're going to see the defense improve enough to get a 38 result, considering that they've let up more than 42 games in a row now. Um, I think the offense is good, and I think we're going to keep seeing that. And hopefully, maybe it'll be enough. Again, play the Big 12 style. Just try to score the points and do the best you can defense and hope it works out because that's all you can really do this season if you're the Terps. Um, hopefully we see some of that defense we saw against Minnesota in the fourth quarter, but I'm not overly hopeful. A good showing is really all I need out of this team. I don't expect to win this game. I just don't want to get left out. Right, it's big for recruiting. We'll see it on Saturday. We'll be with you guys. Um, uh, the podcast will be on Saturday. It will it will be released by Saturday night. Um, 
if you have some trouble with the audio on this, we apologize. We've had some technical difficulties throughout the weeks. We're using a different system to record this than usual. Um, let us know your thoughts, you know, predictions at twi- on Twitter at YoungTurp1. I know Twitter's being used uh, a lot differently right now than for sports, but, hey, we, we like to, you know, give you guys the best Turp news that we can. Uh, I think that's a wrap for this one. Jordan, as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates, your place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner.com. And Allied Party Rentals to host your event outside safely. Allied is your place to go. They have everything that you need. You can visit them at AlliedPartyRentals.com. That's a wrap. We'll be back on Saturday talking Terps. Uh... Hopefully a victory over Penn State. It'll be huge for Coach Loxie, huge for the recruiting. Go Terps, beat Penn State, and as always, thanks for listening.